Confession time. I am just a touch, hmm, uncomfortable with what I'm about to share today. Here we go. You are listening to The Shift Seekers Show, created to inspire, educate and facilitate shifts that help you identify your unique path to change in your life and business. Expect insights, lessons and real life stories of people just like you who are embracing a life of transformation and endless possibility. It's time to let go of the how and step into the now. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Shift Seekers Show. I am your host, Laura Hassan, and today I have something a little different for you. I have a unfiltered, raw, as per the title, creation call that is me in the hot seat. I was being coached by the one and only Morgan Gist McDonald, who I will absolutely have on the show as a guest in future. We had a deep dive to help me bring the rough outline for my first book, to the forefront. And we weren't planning to share this on the podcast, but after last week's episode about creation, it felt only right that we followed up with me practicing what I preach, walking my talk, doing the thing. So I'm going to give you this time. It is a longer episode than usual because you're going to hear the whole call play out. You are going to get to hear all of the behind the scenes. And if you love it and you want to go deeper and you want to hear the next one that is actually happening on Monday, the 3rd of August at 8.30 p.m., you can come and join the Totally Laura book experience. Go to totallylaura.com forward slash book and grab your place in that experience because I am having another call with Morgan to go deeper into the specifics of the book now that we've got this rough outline underway. I've been beavering away on my own behind the scenes, um, refining what we did in this call. And I'm not going to say much else because it's already a long episode. So enjoy the call and then come into the Shift Seekers group. You can come to theshiftseekers.com and tell us what you think. What came up for you? What light bulbs were there? What are you inspired to go and create as a result of listening to this coaching call? Here we go. And we are live. Oh my gosh. Well, welcome replay viewers, firstly, because I know that you are the only people who will hear me say that. And oh my gosh, we're really doing this. We're really doing this. It's it's on. We're on. <laughs> okay. So firstly. Thank you for doing this with me. I'm very excited if like seven out of 10 terrified is probably how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love, Laura, that you didn't just say, let's do this, Morgan, and have a 90-minute call, just the two of us. You said, oh, let's broadcast this on all the places and save the recording. (laughs) I know. This This is the time capsule. I like to tell my authors that you only write your first book once. And so this is kind of capturing the journey. It's like your, it's like your maternity photo shoot. <laughs> Wish I never had. So this is making up for that. Maybe that's why I found the call to do this. <laughs> I love that analogy, your maternity photo shoot. Well, here we are. So thank you, firstly, for you for making time to do this. And oh, 
let's just, I'm just going to say hi to everybody. I'm not going to keep talking. I'm not going to keep looking at comments because I'm going to stay focused on Morgan and I. So I'm actually going to turn the comments off so that I can't see them right now. So I can't see comments. If you are here watching live, amazing. Feel free to comment and chat amongst yourselves and do whatever you like, but I can't see them because I need to stay in the zone. Um, I really want to start by just saying thank you to Morgan because Morgan and I, I feel like this is really important that we just preface a little bit about how we know each other and the journey we've had because Morgan and I have known each other for a long time, almost as long as I have been procrastinating the book. I will say that I think I've been procrastinating the book about eight or nine months before you arrived in my life. (laughs) And here we are finally at the point where we've had a little like, you know, you've heard me several times reach out to you and go, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to write the book. And now, hence why we're doing it this way, because I feel like this is like the commitment and the point of when there's no going back from here. Let's face it. That's how I feel. And that feels really good to me. So thank you. And I would love to just give you an opportunity to just introduce yourself to anybody who might be watching, listening, wherever, whatever we do with this. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey everyone, I'm Morgan and I uh, founded and own Paper Raven Books, which is a publishing company. We help people write, publish, and market. Um, We are self-publishing services, so we help folks actually self-publish their own books. So we don't retain any creative rights or legal rights or profits. We really do it with you and and for you. Um, And it's your book, you know, at the end of the day. So that's kind of part of my philosophy. I didn't start out with a publishing company. I started out um, as a writing coach and a freelance editor and um, just have been working with writers in the trenches of Word documents and Google documents for about 14 years now. And um, at at the beginning, of course, like many of us who've been on entrepreneurial journeys, it was sort of, I helped all the writers with all the types of writing, (laughs) everything. Um, And then eventually began to specialize and, and sort of made the decision to say, actually, I love books. Let's do books. And so um, I've been focused on books uh, really for about the last um, eight years or so. So probably almost as long, Laura, as you've been thinking about writing your book. (laughs) And then you and I first met in our entrepreneurial journeys when you were the website girl and I was the freelance editor. And we did Marie Folio's B-School, I think 2013, maybe. Um, Yes. And we, you know, we've been on quite a journey together. So yeah, I'll let you take it from there. Oh, thank you. Yes, we really have. And I think probably the other background that's that's relevant is you have watched me like literally bounce around from like being the website. I probably wasn't even the website girl when we first met. I was probably, I mean, I think I had the Twitter program. Yeah, I was just off the back of my baby business. Yeah. Yeah. Baby business into being the Twitter person. Like I claimed that for a little while. And then I had, when I think I, when I started B-School, I had the uh, naked blogging was my, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nakedblogging.com mm-hmm. was my URL. And yeah, it's been a long, twisting, winding road. It has not been a neat journey. I am not professing to have known where I was going for any of that time because I definitely did not. And then when I, it was when I really stepped into doing like channel guidance mm-hmm. and um, really owning everything that I have to bring to the world in terms of energy and connection to all that is that you and I connected in a deeper way around you wanting to be on that journey too. And so, 
Yeah. And then we ended up, you were in Bali on my retreat and now you're in the shift method. You've been through my program. And so you really know, Mm -hmm. like you could, there's nobody more qualified than you to do what we're doing right now. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) You're right. It takes an enormous amount of trust to be able to sort of say, okay, I don't know exactly what this looks like, but let's kind of get in there and let's figure it out. And so are you ready? Okay. (laughs) So I gave you a a few heads up um, that I want to give to anyone who happens to be watching slash listening to this later. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the role of of writing coach, I feel like my main responsibility is to try to uh, get inside of your head and help coax out all the ideas that might be included in the book and then help you to think through how those could be ordered, at least ordered enough for you to write them for you to feel comfortable and confident just writing. And so, um, you know, I often will tell writers who are writing, especially their first books, you know, the way that you write the book the first time may not be how it's actually published. It'll go through multiple revisions. And so really you can kind of um, release any pressure or expectation that you're going to write the book correctly the first, correctly, there's no correctly, right? (laughs) But you know, the way that it comes out in the beginning, it will change and morph and and all those things. So, so really all we're trying to do right now is get our, get our kind of arms around the first draft. That's okay. it. It will change a lot after the first draft, but we, we just want to get ideas out of your head and onto paper. And because, you know, usually by the time you're reaching out to someone like me, it's because you tried putting hands to keyboard and pen to paper and you're like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I need some help. So, so I'm going to be your hands to keyboard for you. Love it. The session. So good at <laughs> describing that. I love it. I'm like, that's exactly what I need. I didn't even know what I needed. And that's it. This is what I need. Thank you. And so we have this planned as two sessions because this will be me kind of starting to get a little bit inside your head, coaxing out some of these ideas. We're just laying everything out. It's a little bit like we wanted to use a funny analogy. It's like reorganizing a closet. We know that there are a lot of things inside that closet. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't really start organizing them. We're going to pull everything out, lay it all out, and then decide, okay, how could this be organized? Um, instead of a top-down approach, a top-down approach would say, let's decide on the book title and the subtitle and the 16 chapters and the three sections inside of each of the 16 chapters, and then you will go away and write them. Some people do that. Amazing for them. <laughs> I haven't found that that's worked especially well for me or for the clients who tend to want to work with me. So instead, we go bottom up. We say, what are all the things that might be included in this book? We'll just pull them all out. We're not going to worry about organizing them yet. And then we'll let the structure emerge. We'll be able to group like ideas with like ideas. Stories will pop in our brain. We'll say, oh, that could go with this idea. And we'll just let that that structure really emerge. And it typically takes a couple of of pretty in-depth sessions, which is why we have 90 minutes today. And then we'll do another 90 minutes. And and you'll find that ideas and things will pop up. And I'll give you some, 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 I don't want to say homework, but yes, (laughs) some, uh, some writing, uh, writing submission, some writing assignments or something. Okay. I'll, I'll come up with a better word, but yeah, whatever we're going to call that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm taking notes in a Google document um, that we're actually not going to share. Yes. <laughs> so, sorry, folks. You're going to see the Google document and Laura, you have no, um, there's nothing for you to do here except talk. Okay. Great. <laughs> you will hear me typing. So apologies. Okay. okay. So let's, let's first start with, um, 
why, why now? Why do you feel like you want to write a book now, Laura? What is it about what's happening in your life and who you are now that you feel like I, I want to write? Why now? Oh, I've wanted to do it for a really long time. So it's not like, it's not like this is new. We know this, right? This is not a new idea. The difference now is that it feels pressing now. Mm-hmm. Before it didn't feel pressing, before it felt like, oh, that would be a nice thing to do. And I think if I'm really honest, before it was like an ego-driven thing, which is probably why it didn't happen. Whereas now it's like, oh my gosh, I see how many people, the work that we do when we do the Get Unstuck sessions, I know how many people this helps. And I know that for so many more people who can't access that for whatever reason, that this is a whole other way of reaching people who really need to know this. And I think this last year and however long it's been, like this lifetime we've been in, in terms of like global situation has really like accelerated the need in my own like perspective because before I I would hear people say they wanted to read the book or they when when are you writing your book or where can I buy your book as though it already existed and I would be like oh oh whereas now it's like oh the book Mm. it's not about me wanting to write the book it's like the book is here now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the get unstuck sessions is a, a kind of a, a people can dip their toe into the water of kind of the much deeper work that you do. Yeah. Where do people have the most like aha moments or realizations during the get unstuck sessions? Where do you get that like really resonant feedback? People are like, oh, I never realized this. What do they say? Yeah. Uh, well, the comment that they write. And they always use the same emoji. They use light bulb emojis. So we we love seeing the light bulb emoji. That's always like, oh, here we go. We're getting to the bit where the light bulbs are going to come. And when that happens is invariably when people uncover and really feel it in their bodies that it's not their fault that they haven't been able to make the change they say they want to make. Mm when they start to understand the role of the subconscious and how that speaks to the conscious, when the two of those like meet and we find that like, Oh, Oh, so there's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I don't need fixing. I don't need to be on a lifetime of like a healing journey in order to live the life that I wish I could. Mm -hmm. And so it gives people a lot of permission. And it's that that gives people, people come out of the get unstuck sessions feeling like, Oh my gosh, everything feels possible now. Mm. You said a little while ago that you you know so many people need this and that the pandemic has accelerated that need. When you feel that sense of like urgency, what kind like what are people struggling with and and where like where do you feel like you meet them? Like what kinds of struggles, what kinds of challenges, what kinds of needs are you sensing? I feel like, and I feel like I'm going to give you an indirect answer here. So let's just see what comes out. We're, we're just, we're, we're just yeah. going on different angles and different ways in. So yeah, it's yeah. All- I feel like it's really apparent to me now, more than ever, this is not news, but it's more apparent than ever that human beings in general believe that they are supposed to settle for what they have 
and that they should be grateful for what they have. And what I know through not just creating this, creating the program, creating the Get Unstuck sessions, creating all the different things, but through hearing people go through it and the the stories they share is that they don't want to settle. But what they believe to be true above all else right now is that really the life of your dreams, if we want to use that kind of cheesy cliche term, is reserved for other people. Mm. Like they, we believe it's possible, but we don't believe it's possible for us. It's the kind of thing that other people get to do, not us. Yeah. And I'm not okay with that. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That we're supposed to settle for what we have, that we should be grateful for what we have. Mm. And we want more. I mean, we're human, right? Like, yeah. we want, we almost can't help it, right? Like we, even, even like in our material world, like even if we weren't going to spiritual, but just material, like, you know, I'm with my kids and my, my son sees a Tesla and he's like, oh, I want a Tesla. And there's a part of me that's like, do you know how much this Yukon XL costs, son? <laughs> we're not buying a Tesla. Be happy for what we have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that we, you know, we like, I, I'm using my own kid as a reaction, but like, you know, we, it's almost like we understand and empathize with and even have the same desires as like our kids, but our kids are much more willing to just say it. And there's something about being an adult that we're like, no, like, we can't yeah. have that. <laughs> we have plenty. <laughs> Be grateful. Count your blessings. Um, what kind of things do people want? Well, before I before I go into that, I feel like I have to say okay, yes. this this has jogged things for me. And I've been speaking about this recently, so it's funny that this is all here. I mean, there's no coincidences, as we know. Um, I remember being at school, knowing that I wasn't particularly good at school. Also, like not particularly academic. Like <laughs> I just wasn't motivated to study or any anything like that. And I remember being surrounded by reminders that I was in a bad school. Mm. Like my school was bad. Like it was not a good school where I grew up when there were not lots of options for good schools, unless you were willing to pay for it. And it was super expensive. So yeah, I kind of had that like subliminal messaging that like, basically, well, you go here. So, you know, sorry, (laughs) this is what we've got. And then I remember getting to that age where you go to, I don't know if you do this in the US, but in the UK, around the time of 15, 16, you end up going to like a career counselor. Mm. And in our, like, so in our school, we had this massive list of things to tick, like a tick sheet of things we liked, things we didn't like. And then they would print off on a dot matrix printer, like, I don't even know, like 10 meters of possible careers. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, you were supposed to choose one. And then choose our like further education options from according to what we chose off that list. And so in that, I was like, and I remember as a child being asked, like, what do you do want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I don't know, my job hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> Which was really at the time code for I don't have an answer. I don't know what I want to do. Like all my friends were saying things like, I want to be a nurse, I want to be a vet, I want to be a lawyer, you know, all the typical things we see. Yeah. 
And because none of that really spoke to me, I didn't really have an answer. And so to mask not having an answer, I would just say, I don't know. And I was trying to say something smart. What's funny is that like now looking back on that, you know, the internet didn't exist when I was a child. So Mm -hmm. my job hadn't been invented yet because I couldn't do what I do now without the internet. So when we go to all that said, this is why we don't know what we want or we believe we don't know what we want is because we're we're kind of told we're not really allowed to dream. Mm. We're not allowed to dream within certain parameters of our like upbringing. And and I'm you know that of course there are exceptions to this rule and there will be people who will say, you know, oh but my family encouraged me to da 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 da, da and that's fine. But still society as a whole is still like, well, if you have this background, if you have this family, if you have this money, if you have this religion, if you have this race, gender, whatever thing, this is the path for you. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't feel safe for us to really explore our dreams anymore. And that's why, you know, as a child, we're so like in this abandoned place of like, yes, let's do this and let's do that. You know, and I hear that in my kids all the time. And I'm already starting to see it disappear from my daughter, who's 12. Mm. So mm-hmm. I see that. And what I'm aware of now is that like, the work that I do with grown-ups, it's like I'm watching all of the work that I do helping people unpick and understand who they are and where they want to go and you know where it all kind of like came apart. I'm watching that be programmed into her now. And it feels like there's nothing I can do about it because she's in the like you know, on the journey. Yeah. And so that's really interesting. So it doesn't say what do people want, but like this is why we people say they don't know what they want or why people feel disconnected from allowing themselves to dream Mm. because it feels like a waste of time or people don't want to get their hopes up to be let down. So that question around like, what do you want is a little bit like the who do you want to be when you grew up? It's Mm. almost like the what do you want we ask kid we uh, sorry let me rephrase that so we would ask kids what do you want except kids will always say ice cream and gummy bears <laughs> so rather than, ask, what do you want in life? Yeah. <laughs> rather than ask kids what do you want in life we just ask them what do you want to be when you grow up um mm-hmm. but then when we get to be adults we no longer ask what do you want to be when you grow up we we're, we're asked um and sometimes we're not asked what do you want and so i, I do feel like that's something that that your work gives us a chance to really sink into like, what do I want? Because there's no one asking me what I want. There's only people telling me what they expect me to do. Yes. Oh my gosh. And we both know your story around the, what do I want? (laughs) And so I don't, not that you need to tell the whole story, um, but if we were to sort of briefly revisit it, I'm thinking of Laguna beach, Jane Mm. Redmore, what do you want? breakdown because you had left baby Finn at home and it was a whole deal and how so I'm paraphrasing for you. <laughs> do you think that's one of the like powerful questions of this kind of work is the what do you want question? Why is that powerful? Yeah, it is. It is. And it's funny because so many times when we talk about these stories or things that I've experienced, I can't tap into the feeling anymore because it's like I've gone beyond it. And so I can't tap into the feeling. That one, every time I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember having to leave the room and like feeling like I was going to throw up. And the uh, what I didn't know at that time was how significant a lesson I was learning in that moment. 
And the significance of that lesson is largely to do with what I teach inside the Get Unstuck sessions, which is the acknowledgement that it's not that we don't know what we want. It's that either we don't trust ourselves to make it happen or we don't believe we deserve it. And that, like, that has been a huge learning for me. And any time I start to go back or hear myself say things like, I don't know, I'm not sure, or like, you know, pretending under the illusion that I don't know what my vision is, I have to remind myself of that. It's like, where am I not trusting myself to make it happen? Or where am I not believing I deserve? And when when I talk about deserving, it's not just about deserving to have, it's deserving to desire. Mm. like who are you to want that you know like that's where where we where the disconnect lives okay so it does feel like we're we're sinking into the get unstuck sessions content does that feel Mm. right to you I know before we hopped on this call I'd asked you to do some free writing Mm. Um, of what you remember of that free writing was a lot of it you know, things that have, that tend to bubble up inside the get in sex sessions. Cause I can go deeper there and I'm happy to. Yeah. Um, is that too narrow is my question. I feel like we're going beyond the get unstuck sessions. Okay. I feel like the get unstuck sessions is like the, it's the skeleton. Hmm. And I feel like, I feel like doing the free writing has given me a new idea of like who needs this book. Okay. Let's go there. Okay. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It's happening. Yeah. And just so we preface this, um, this question around who is this book for is always something that anyone who's a book professional will ask, right? Because that is a a marketing question. It's a writing question. It's like everything sort of hinges around that. Who's this book for? And authors don't like this question. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it ends up being very, when you really dig into it, it ends up being very revealing. And so just Mm -hmm. acknowledge that, Laura, you're speaking from your personal experience. You're not speaking, you're not making any presumptions or assumptions about anyone else's experience. This is, this is the lens that you have been given to see the person who you are here to, to serve. And so this is, I'm just, I'm just casting a judgment-free zone around this. (laughs) Yeah. Who do you feel like you is, is on your heart? Who are you called to speak to in this iteration, this version of Laura's work? I feel like this this is a bit different to what I've written, okay. but here, here's where where it is. So in our like behind the scenes-ness, obviously when we do the get unstuck sessions, we are laying the welcome mat for people to consider going on the journey for the shift sessions. Now that is a big consideration for most people who are brand new to me to make. What we know is that it often takes people coming through one, two times to allow themselves to see themselves in the identity of somebody who could really make change. And so knowing that, the question we've been working with behind the scenes is like, how can we help people get to that decision faster? Because... And and it's like, well, why do we want them to get there faster? I want them to get there faster because I don't want to see people like stuck circling 
in their same like experience when I know that if they were able to allow themselves to say yes or to move on to the next thing, to hear the thing they need to hear, feel the thing they need to feel, they would change their lives quicker. And so I wasn't expecting to say that, but it feels like it's the person who the get unstuck sessions isn't quite enough for them to see that or believe it's possible for them. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I feel like a, a significant piece here is going to be not just my stories, but the stories of other people who've been through the shift sessions and been through this work and done this, been on this journey. And I feel like the the, the mantra that I hear, which I've already mentioned, is that the general feel that somebody is like living when this book is right for them is like, I see this and I believe it and I want it. And I'm really excited for you and all the people whose stories you're telling, but I don't really see that for myself. Mm. So kind of in that, like, it's all right for you. It's all right for them. Feel like stuck in that cycle. Yeah. And they don't want to be stuck. They want to believe that change is possible. So also I need to talk about law of attraction (laughs) because they know about law of attraction. It's like got this sexy magnetic, like, oh yeah, law of attraction. Like if I can make that work for me, if I can just figure this out, like everything's going to be better. Manifestation, same thing. It's the same thing, different language. What they have seen, and in this is sure, I know this for sure, is like, they have times where it feels like, oh, it's working. Like it's happening. I feel it and I see it and I believe it. But then perhaps the next day or the next week or the next month, they wake up and they're like, oh no, I knew it was too good to be true. It's like a flash in the pan. It doesn't stick. And that's where that like, it's all right for you comes like, and I say you, not necessarily me, but like somebody else who they see it's all working out for. Do you have a memory of that being true for you? Oh, yeah. You were all into like exploring law of attraction, manifestation. Um, You had this time where it felt like it was happening. And then uh, I knew it was good, too too good to be true. Back to skepticism. Yeah. Do you have a specific memory that pops up or or a couple? I do, which is so funny because we were just talking about it before we got on this call. I was saying, so I'm in a hotel room and I have this blue light around me. This is not my normal environment. And I was saying to you, like, this is like Vegas vibes. And the memory is being in Vegas. And feeling like abundant, like feeling like, yeah, like there were so many times where I would go on work trips to the US and I would be worried that my card was going to bounce. And Mm. this trip was like, I have actual, there's some money in the bank, like not a lot, but like there's enough money in the bank that I know I can go to dinner and not feel sick about my card being the one that comes back. Mm -hmm. It felt so good. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. It's finally happening. Here we go. And then I got home. And waiting for me in the mail was a tax bill that was due in seven weeks' time, and it was an additional £32,000 more than I was expecting it to be. And everything just came, like, crashing instantly down. I was in full-scale panic Mm -hmm. for pretty much two and a half months after that. And there was a lot embedded in that moment of, like, yeah, well, there you go. You went off to Vegas you know, and it's about imposter syndrome. Like you were acting like this, but really you didn't have all your stuff figured out behind the scenes. Can I ask something about that? And I don't know. I don't even know if you're going to feel comfortable talking about this. I vaguely remember 
you at that around that time were considering going to Necker Island. Yes. And it was going to be a $30,000 investment. Yes. I don't know if that's relevant at all, but it just it is. It is. <laughs> and it I is. remember of, I remember listening to a Voxer. So random, but I was like at a gas pump listening to a Voxer from one of our, I think it was our mastermind thread at the time. And you were thinking, do I want to do this? I probably could. Necker Island. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's relevant at all. but It is relevant. And it's relevant because... It's relevant in terms of like belief Mm. because I remember being on that call with the person who was hosting that retreat, that whatever that was, that mastermind and going through the motions and hearing like, you know, yeah, you'd be a great fit and this would be amazing. And here are some of the names of the people that are coming because also relevant at that time, I was very in that, like, I was very well connected to like the, like whatever you call it, like the names in the online space. Like I would, I pretty much had connection to anybody I wanted and I was placing a lot of value on that for myself. Like, oh, well, if I'm seeing, you know, like association. And so I was spending a lot of money. I was traveling a lot. I was doing a lot of things, making a lot of choices that were going to give me that perceived prestige of being associated at that level. And Yes, Necker Island was one of those because I was like, well, I want people to see me there. I want people to know I can afford to say yes to this because it was very public how much it was, right? It wasn't like a secret. Right. And I remember I was going to Toronto, ironically, for another conference. And I was literally flying out the next day. And I remember it on the call, on the Zoom, saying, and she was like, I need, I just need, I do need to know by tomorrow morning. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, cause I did not have $30,000 sitting around ready to go. Here you go. Yeah. Let's say yes. And Chris was sat in the background going, say yes, say yes, say yes. And I was going, oh, yeah. oh, like, I, I don't know if I can say yes to this. And what was funny about that was there was a lot of judgment. I was placing a lot of judgment on myself because I didn't feel I could say yes. But then what happened was that the I went to Toronto. I always get a lot of perspective when I'm in the air. And when I was in the air, I was having this realization of like, if I truly believe that I can say yes to this and create this like additional $30,000 by, I think it was in the next four weeks, why am I not doing it anyway? Like, why am I waiting for the motivation to like, why, why am I sitting around messing around in my business, not doing that until I have to, why am I motivated in that way? And that was a real significant turning point for me. And that gave me a very empowered no Mm. around, actually, I don't want to go to Necker Island. I just want the associated like buzz of being seen there. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was, so that was interesting. It was a whole, and it's funny that those amounts were almost, they were very similar and they were in a similar time frame. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. It was earlier as well. I guess it would have been six or nine months earlier. That was in the June. And then we went to Vegas in the November. Yeah. 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 It's just interesting. Okay. So occasionally we're, we're able to tap into this, like, I think I am manifesting. <laughs> I think yeah. the law of attraction is working. You yeah. know, the, the, the buzzes here and there of like, I'm traveling, I'm being seen, I have money in the bank and then crash. And then it comes, yeah. it comes down. And, um, 
and and maybe it's a big, you know, maybe it's a big penny that's dropping, maybe it's a little penny that's dropping or shoe or whatever um, phrase that we want to use. How does that affect our subconscious? Oh, yeah. So what's happening when we do that is that we're on this path of like, I don't know if this is possible for me. I don't know if this is possible for me. I don't know if this is possible for me. Then little things might start to happen that give us little rays of hope that we're like, oh, well, maybe maybe part of it is possible for me. Or maybe I could become the person that this is possible for. And we start to get hopeful. So this is where my hope, trust, freedom Mm. journey comes in so we go into that like most people come into my world in hope they come in people who pick up the book will be in hope they're like show me it gets to be different now right they they like the sound of it like the sound of manifestation law of attraction all of the things and they just want to be convinced (laughs) they want to be like show me it really is possible for me Yes. What starts to happen is when you gather pieces of evidence that it is possible for you, you start to move into trust. You go from being in hope, you start to glide into trust. When you're in trust, that's a completely different energy. There's no try when you're in trust, you're in surrender. They're like a package deal, like trust and surrender just are like, yeah, they're just bundled up together. And we know that feeling, right? That's when we feel like we can say yes to whatever we want and everything feels easy and we just feel like, oh, I just know this is going to be fine. I don't have any worries about anything. And then if we continue down that path, eventually we get to, and I, you know, air quoting freedom because freedom means different things to different people. But whatever your goal of what freedom looks like to you is, that's the kind of, that's the goal, right? It's what we want. What happens when we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it. And then something happens like an unexpected tax bill <laughs> yep. is that we, st- our reticular activating system in our subconscious goes, yep, see, there we go. Here we go. So the reticular activating system is like a heat seeking missile that locks on to the evidence of what is or is not possible. And when we're in that momentum with it, either way, it's just true. It just is. And so it can take a long time for you to believe it when your body is just following along going, okay, what's happening? This is amazing. And then it can, you can sabotage and get to a place of like, I don't think this is who I am, but like, I don't know if I believe this is possible, even though you can see it happening and then something will happen and you'll be like, oh yeah, well, see, I knew it wasn't possible for me. And that's because the subconscious change has not clicked in. We haven't hit that, what we call the tipping point. So it sounds like we can move if we if we want to move we can move from hope into trust into freedom mm-hmm. and i'm just going to kind of para- paraphrase this back right so this is this is kind of like mirroring i'm getting clear on what you're what what you're thinking about if we're in either hope or trust right because we haven't landed at freedom yet but theoretically if we're in either of those kind of phases we want to see the positive you know, moments that indicate, yes, we're on the right path. And, and we do, we see flashes, we see glimmers, we, we have that hope. And we are still very much subject to, if there is something that can be interpreted as negative, the tax bill, mm. we are still quite vulnerable to interpreting it as negative. Because, okay, here's where I'm going with this. Theoretically, Laura in freedom could have received the exact same tax bill, same circumstances, mm-hmm. same events. But how could... 
Laura in freedom, how could, how could she have seen that differently? Yes, this is exactly the point. So when that, gosh, when, where was I going there? Hold on. You're exactly right. It's the same thing, right? Nothing changes except for how you interpret it. Now, this is what we do in the shift sessions, right? This is what we do is we understand our unique lens on the world. And I feel like this is probably what we're going to end up doing in the book is the beginning of the shift sessions work. And if we understand why we perceive something the way that we do, I mean, ultimately, I'm going to say a lot of things here. Ultimately, this all comes down to the fact that we can't out-hustle or outperform our subconscious reality. So if underneath all of it, we still have some shred of us that does not believe it's possible for us, we can't sustain it, no matter how much we want it consciously, no matter how much we need it. You know, like this is how we can, we see these patterns all the time. Like you see people who like have big wins on the lotto or whatever, and then they end up like they lose it all. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're bad with money. It's because their reality, their identity is not matched up with, I can't handle this. Like, oh my gosh, like I don't know how to do this. So sabotage kicks in. So I really feel like it. we are, what I'm excited about with the book, and this is definitely coming through loud and clear, is that I have space to really go into what sabotage is. Mm, okay. Because right. I feel like. Let's go there. Yeah. Sabotage. Yeah. Because I feel like in the Get Unstuck sessions, we go, we start to go there, but I don't feel like we really land it Okay, because we don't have enough time. Yeah. So I love the phrase you just dropped, which is, and I've seen you have the quote cards around it. Like you can't out hustle your subconscious. Yeah. And that, um, that, that sort of dovetails right with that sabotage concept. So, so what is, what is sabotage? Sabotage is your subconscious keeping you safe in the shortest version. So your subconscious has this like main objective. Its whole purpose is to keep you alive. Right? It's responsible. We could talk about the 96% and the 4% and all of that stuff. Its job is to maintain the core functions of the body that keep you alive. Things like breathing, your heart rate, your temperature, knowing when you have like needs, just being able to feel all of that without having to remember to do it all. Because if we had to consciously remember it all, we wouldn't last very long. So whenever your subconscious, your subconscious, like I, I describe this sometimes like you're either a Mac user or you're a PC user, right? (laughs) And it's the same thing. If you try and run an app that is for like Mac operating system on a PC, it's like, can't run, like it just can't run it. I can't, like, I don't have the code for that. I don't have the sequencing for that. And so, and it might just come up on your screen as like nonsense. If you try to, this is why like, you know, somebody who wins the lottery, which is a great example of this, it can't, your subconscious cannot compute. You know how sometimes when things happen and we get shocked, we have that shock feeling of like, you know, if somebody surprises you with something elaborate, it can be like, what, like, what? Like, is this, you know, it can be really disorientating and really disarming. That is your subconscious automatically going into protection mode 
because you need to believe that this is safe for you to experience. And it might sound like dramatic to say that, but your subconscious literally thinks you're going to forget to breathe if you if you don't focus on the if you don't keep running the programs that you've always run, you're going to forget to like keep your heart pumping at the right in the right moments and all of those things. So it protects you and it will throw everything at it. When your subconscious detects the slightest flicker of change, it will throw everything at you. It will tell you you're tired. It will tell you you're unwell. It will tell you you can't do it. It will throw unexpected circumstances in your path. You will find yourself in these bizarre situations time and time again. And this is when people start going, I don't know why this always happens. No matter how hard I try, how late I work, how whatever, whatever, dieting, right, is a great op- great example when people try and achieve weight loss. Uh, I, I lose it and then it all comes back again. I, I can lose it and then it's all back in. All right, no matter what I do, I, st- I get, can't get past this level. And it's it's sabotage because it's about identity. If you can't see and accept that you are going to be safe and accepted and loved and all the things that you need, your basic human needs, as that version of you, your subconscious will just be like, nope, let's do this instead. And it is extremely clever, like more clever than we could ever consciously understand. Okay. If your subconscious doesn't believe that you will be seen and loved and accepted as this identity, it will sabotage. Yes. You can almost hear the examples just like spilling out of that, right? And yeah. Like, I, I feel like this is, it, that's like the perfect segue for the, the, um, the reframe work, you know, where you take mm. that week one work of going back through your stories and seeing like, yeah. And <clears throat> I don't want to go into my own story, but <laughs> mine's yeah. relevant. I mean, <laughs> um, but you know, like thinking about how, um, like I was, I had two older brothers and like, I have this very strong memory of like, I, after tennis practice, I like took off my shirt. My dad came home and was like, put your shirt on, you know, you're a girl basically. And it was just like this, like really, um, jarring moment where my dad's very kind, like he's very loving, Mm. kind, compassionate, like we have great relationships. It wasn't that, but it was just that moment where my brain interpreted it as like, you can't show off your body yeah. or like, you know, um, you know, your, your, your body is linked to your acceptance, like in this family. Right. And so yes. when you start to do that work. You realize like so much of how I behave, how I sort of be in this world is linked to my childhood understanding of what do I need to do in order to be seen and loved and accepted. Yes. And so I'm kind of trying, I'm using that as an example, just kind of like open up this part of the book. This is part of the book, right? Am I feeling that right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. So what's a good way to explain to someone? So let's say let's let's say that we're talking to a brand new person who is mm. right where we're talking about. You know, they've glimmers of hope. It feels like it's working sometimes, but then the, you know the the other shoe drops, and then I'm, I'm back into sort of this state of self sabotage. What could we say to her? Are we talking to a her? Maybe. Maybe we're not going to. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it doesn't have to be super specific. Um, yeah. But we'll say, we'll just say her for, for, yeah. That feels easy for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what, fine. what would we say? How would we start to guide her? If she's kind of coming along with us and she's saying, 
Okay. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I see that my subconscious is trying to keep me safe and I, and I see that I'm probably making judgments because my subconscious believes that if I try something new, that it will, I won't be seen, loved or accepted. How can I start to Mm. unwind this? What, what would you say to her? How would you kind of coach her through this? Yeah. Like what's risky about that? Mm. Like what might happen if you did? And the example I always give here is I remember when I first tapped into doing this kind of work was identifying that all of the success that I believed I was chasing, I was sabotaging myself from having it because the truth was I was scared that if I really could create the life I wanted or if I really could tap into the desires or I really could make all the money or all the things and have all the freedom that I might find out I didn't want to be in my current life. I might, and by that, I mean like, I might not want to be a mom. I might not, might not want to be a, a wife. I might want to like live in the jungle with like, you know, off the grid. That was a real fear. Not because I was having those thoughts, but because that's what my mind was doing was going, but what if you feel this? You know, what if you want to run away and da, 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 da. So that's what happens is like, so I, I would want to find out like what feels risky. What's the like riskiest outcome that you could imagine if you were to see this happen in your reality? What, what might happen? I think that's where the gold is, right? Is like, what's the riskiest outcome you can possibly imagine? Like if you can yeah. get yourself to really consider like, how irresponsible could I be? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, and sort exactly. of like, that out, that's because the reason that you're able to even think that or imagine that is because some part of your brain already has. Yes. <laughs> imagined that. Yeah. And, it, and so it's, it's, it's pushing the, the brake pedal on on the success, on, on, on what you would need to do, who you would need to become in order to achieve that kind of success. Yeah. Am I, am I sort of interpreting that right? Absolutely. And what happens, and I think the other important piece here is that that shows up in believing, but I don't know how something, um, right? So how to spot it is when you usually are like, I want this, but I don't know how, or I want this, but it's not possible for me because all of that comes up. Do you have someone who you've worked with who's has kind of overcome this that that yeah. I don't know if you want to you might want to get their permission before you start telling their, their yeah I can't I can't say I mean <laughs> is this there person has like, like note for you to come back to and for you to to write about later yes and this person has spoken about it publicly I'm not going to name them or tell their story right now but it is somebody who has had a huge huge transformation from one of the smallest pieces of awareness that you could imagine. And this is really important. And that will be an important story because so we think, well, we're going to unearth this like massive thing that we can't see about ourselves. When the truth is that sometimes it's just about a tiny piece of acceptance of like, oh, okay, that's why that happened. Oh, well, okay, great. Oh, wow. Okay. That's been holding me all these years my whole life until now. And now I'm free. What's the code word I can drop in the notes for you to come back later and, and talk? Um, about tears. Mm. 
Either. You're going to have to buy the book to find out more. <laughs> I do want to go ahead and acknowledge there, there might be people watching. Um, we're not paying attention to the comments because we're in our, in a, in a yeah, I, I don't even have them on. No. <laughs> um, but assuming that there is one person who is eventually watching this, you're going to have to get the book to find out. <laughs> okay. So I want to kind of begin to recap a little bit. We're not, I don't feel like we're, we're, quite to structure territory yet, but we're, yeah. we're pulling themes, right? So, so we've got this theme of, um, this people have a desire for change and the change is not happening, right? Mm. Either I'm not able to make it or life gets in the way, mm. or I start to make change and then something terrible happens. Right. And so there's this like, desire for more that is sort of inherent in, um, us and, and, and yet it, I'm not, I'm not seeing it manifest for myself. We could talk about why that is. We could talk about sort of the origins of those limitations. We can talk about school systems and career counselors and, and those sorts of things. And, and ultimately, you know, the, the, the reality is that we don't even ask ourselves what we want. This book is an opportunity not only to ask yourself what you want. I think you could put in the the Finn story there or the the Laguna yeah. Beach. Um, it's not really a Finn story. I always think of Finn, but it's not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can put that in as like a, a a moment that illustrates what happens when we as adults actually ask ourselves what we want. Yes. We're basically burst into tears, right? And so, yeah. <laughs> and so why? why is that? You know, and, and, and this is the, this is a book that's going to not only offer you the opportunity to, to discover what you really want, but I don't want to use the word how, but a, a path forward, right? Something yes. Like that. This is, and it's, I, I know you, Laura, it's not a blueprint, <laughs> <laughs> but what it is, is helping people to understand how it gets to be different now. This is, yeah, this is not only, uh, not only cracking open what you want and who you want to be, but feeling down to your core that life gets to be different now. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing it's the knowing, right? Is that, is feeling it literally in your bones. Oh, like I know that it's different, not like it's going to be different, but like it's different now. Mhm. Mhm. Like yeah. I believe that I really truly believe which is such a weird thing to say when we haven't even like started writing yet but like I really truly believe that somebody just owning this book is literally going to feel different. Mhm. Like I really do. I really believe that like they're just going to know when they buy it or when they hold it or when they like look at it and feel it and experience it like this is different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure if we will, I don't know that we'll start with hope, trust, freedom, although that is technically the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, we may meet them at um, identity. Mm-hmm. And so and- you have an identity, identity and subconscious and how those, those are yes. different. Because you you come to this book with an identity, you come to this book with 
with subconscious beliefs and, and that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Here's all the, and I know part of the shift uh, method and get access to, uh, get unstuck sessions is like your subconscious is not bad. Yeah. Your subconscious is keeping you alive um, because the identity that you have created up to this point has succeeded. This kept you alive. <laughs> yes. And now, and, and, and we can talk then about sabotage and how sa- sabotage is not a terrible thing, right? Mm-hmm. Sabotage is an auto correction. It's a yes. force correction back to, it's looping you back to um, who you have been when you have um, been seen and um, accepted and loved, right? And so, yeah. um, and so how do we begin to make a new decision? Well, we, we look at first, at what point did we decide that this is who I need to be in order to be seen and accepted and loved? Yeah. Am I, is that a good place for us to kind of meet the reader kind of in these beginning chapters, kind of like chapter one, two, three sort of thing? Totally. And I think in addition to that, I feel um, what I was hearing as you were, or what was like resonating as you were saying that is the touching on and the acknowledgement of the emotions attached. Mm. So like the shame, mm-hmm. the, the deep rooted shame of like, I mean, like me saying for nearly 10 years, I'm going to write the book. This is the year of my book. And like getting to the point of being so sick and tired of your own, like promising something that you know underneath isn't going to happen. You know, like, and I think that's an important thing to talk about like early as well. Okay. So tell me, tell me more about that. So this, what, what, what role do emotions play in kind of this identity and this sabotage and the the subconscious beliefs? Yeah. So it also feeds in with identity is values. Okay. And so we're talking about the values and then the emotions are, well, we believe the emotions are the result. Like mm-hmm. we believe that the emotions, we feel a certain way because we did a certain thing or because we have a certain thing or because we are a certain thing. When the truth is our emotions are generated at a deeper level and they are a guidance system for us. So when we're feeling those things, that it doesn't mean we need to, you know, I mean, I say often, like, I'm not about good vibes only. And I'm, I don't support that messaging and that all of our emotions are welcome and relevant and to be embraced. And that it's part of being human to acknowledge all of that. And at the same time, we don't need to live our life feeling constant shame because, well, I said I was going to do the thing and I didn't again. And now I'm going to have to like tell everyone what failure I am you know (laughs) or now everybody's gonna know even without me telling them that oh here we are another year where the book's not written you know Mm -hmm. like all of that going on in the background it's linked into your values it's linked into the emotions and it's linked into that subconscious gathering all that evidence and holding all that evidence see this is who you are this is who you are this is how it is because your subconscious does not want to accept the phrase I bandy around all the time that it gets to be different now, right? Our conscious mind does, our subconscious does not want to accept that. Okay. So I'm, I'm teasing around like, so we've got these different concepts that are kind of floating. So we've got identity, we've got Mm -hmm. our, our conscious and subconscious. We've got our, um, emotions and our values 
Is shame the primary emotion that we feel when we're like trying to change and not able to change? Yes. Okay. So shame, and I'm just trying to get some clarity. So we might feel shame when we say we want to change and we find evidence that we have not actually changed. And the shame is an indicator that is like, I told you so. Yes. Let's just stay here now. Let's yes. stop trying to, to make this change. Yes. And when we get into those, when we when we notice our repeating patterns, the shame is embedded. So like the thing that you've been saying for years you were going to do and not done, the, the shame isn't only in the not doing it. It's even as you say you're going to do it, you don't even believe yourself. It's like you're saying it and you're like, I don't even, you can't stop yourself. You're saying it and you're like, this isn't even true. What I'm saying isn't even true. I know this isn't going to happen. You don't even believe it yourself. Yeah. All of this feels like it's kind of leading up to that, that first big light bulb moment that people have, which is that it's not your fault. Yeah. Yes. Yep. This is all happening automatically and always has been without your input. Just thinking through the reader and and kind of like what they what they might be experiencing and what they might need next. Yeah. So we come we come to this book with hope. We want to believe that it gets to be different now. We see it happening for other people. We can read Laura's story and say, "Gosh, see, she's done it." I'm still hopeful. I don't know how. Mm. I'm still hopeful. And then they we take them through this these realizations around um, here's what the subconscious is, the 96%, um, the keeping you safe, the identity that you've um, created and, and how you could go into family and society and that sort of week one homework. And I know I'm shorthanding for anyone who's, who's watching. <laughs> like, I don't know what week one homework is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then um and then talking about emotions and and that really you know the 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 particularly the shame emotion is kind of keeping us coming back the, the i told you so it's an indicator that you don't believe that change is possible for you and and so you know basically we're kind of landing them at the point that like if this is resonating with you if you if you've experienced this you're in the right place and it's not your fault Yes. And if she's breathing a sigh of like relief, what does she need next? What does she need to know next to keep going? It is learning. Oh, Oh, why do I feel exhausted as I say this? This is the thing I get asked so much. (laughs) We're cracking into it. Oh, I just feel like, oh, it's so funny that I didn't see this coming and yet here we are. It's learning how to trust. Okay. That is the piece, right? So it's like, okay, I understand, you can understand it all because this is all a conscious process, right? The relief, the bringing somebody to that point of relief is all a conscious process. It's hearing, it's understanding, it's learning, it's going, oh, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Then it's like, okay, what do you need to do next? Oh, you need to trust yourself. Great. How do I do that? So that is the piece. And and I think 
I, I don't know where this is relevant, but it feels important to say just now that that looping pattern and the subconscious being like, see, told you, the subconscious, while we want more, like while we're programmed for more, the subconscious wants more of the same. So the subconscious is like, yes, see, we need this. We need, it's not even, it's not like coming with a like, see, ha ha. It's like, see, we need this. And that's an important like tone to establish because the trust gets to be when we view the subconscious differently. So when we first learn this, the, the first wave of understanding is like, oh, so my subconscious, almost like I have to fight my subconscious. And what we get to be able to do is actually just embrace it and really have a lot of gratitude for the role that it plays and how it does keep us safe and keep us alive and how we get to work in harmony with it to create trust that we get to be in partnership with it. So we're partnering. You're going to, you're going to, yeah. I mean, you do, you teach us how to partner with the subconscious. Yeah to like lower the subconscious's guard and allow more conscious direction. Yes. Would you say that's? Absolutely. And I think one of the core, whatever it is, one of the, the really important pieces in that is that we, we do it, we anchor in safety. Oh yes, yes. You see, a lot of them get on sex sessions. You're like, we're going to do this safely, and, if, and yeah. it took me a while to kind of figure. It's like, why is Laura keep talking about safety? Like, I'm in my yeah. kitchen listening to, to get on sex sessions. Yeah. I'm safe. <laughs> okay, so let's go there. Let's go there. Doing it safely. Okay. Yeah. So is safe and sustainable. So they're mm. the two words I say a lot because I think. You know, it's very easy to like, there's a lot of these documentaries around right now, right? That like paint this picture of like, oh my gosh, all you have to do is like make this massive change in your life and everything's going to be different and we're all going to save the planet and everybody's going to live happily ever after. There's a lot of that like grand moves that need to be made and it can feel like, I don't know if I can do that. And what we get to see through this work is that it doesn't have to be like burning everything down and starting afresh. It gets to be just understanding and then taking one step at a time, like slowly, slowly, steadily, and anchoring in safety. Because when we have safety, when we can create the feeling of safety, the subconscious relaxes, or not, it's not even the subconscious, it's the critical faculty, which is the guard to the subconscious, relaxes. And that's how we get to make change quicker. So the safety and the slowness, I used to hear people talk about like, slow down to speed up in your business and all this. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And now I get it in a different context because I know that when we do it really slowly and really safely where we're not going, right, we're going to change everything. Like, you know, quit your job, leave your thing, do the da 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 da. It's like, no, actually, let's just all agree we're not going to make any changes. Let's just not do any of that. Let's just be with what is. I talk about that a lot, right? Being with it. And just seeing and noticing what starts to shift and change of its own accord when you allow yourself to start to trust that you're not going to just burn your whole life down. Mm. Because that's the fear, 
right? Like the fear is like, is it safe for me to do this? So we're putting ourselves more in an observer role. Like let's, yes, let's relax. Let's observe. Let's, let's, um, and I think in what we would have done in the first part of the book is a lot of that, like, let's just see and Mm. uncover what our identity is, what our values are, when our emotions get kicked up. And merely by observing that, we are opening ourselves to change, even if we don't fully. Absolutely. Is that right? Is it? Yep. Okay. Exactly. So this morning on a shift sessions coaching call, I gave the analogy, I said it terribly, but gave the analogy of somebody asked the question of like, what do you mean when you say be with the feelings, be with yourself, whatever, what does that mean? And I was explaining it in sense of, (laughs) I use terrible language, but I'm sure there's a proper technical term for this. If you were like riding on a motorbike, that all of the emotions and the stories and everything else would be like in the little sidecar rather than with you, like clinging on to you as a passenger on the bike. It's like in the sidecar. So you can like look over, you can see it all, but it's not touching you. It's not affecting you. It's not impacting whether you can lean in around that bend or not because it's over there, just like carefully tucked away, but still in sight. What kind of things change of their own accord, like without you even intending to? What have you seen in yourself or in other people? Desires show themselves. Truth comes. People start doing things, behavior changes. Like the perfect example, and they don't notice, right? The perfect example being a lot of my US friends drink a lot of coffee. (laughs) A lot of them (laughs) notice they'll get some part through the shift sessions and they'll be like doing the work and all the rest of them. I'm not seeing anything really change. You know, I want to change in my money or my relationship or whatever it is. And then they'll just realize one day, oh, I didn't drink coffee yesterday. And then they'll realize, oh, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big drama. I just didn't do it. So you notice the absence of something or an easy action that you took that you've made a big deal of for ages. And you're like, whoa, I did all that. And I didn't even know. Mm. Then it's like this whole cascade of events that happens. So the coffee is a great example because people, and this was a real thing that happened in the first round of the shift sessions. I remember it, that somebody was like, I didn't drink coffee for like a week. And I didn't even notice that I wasn't wanting it anymore. And then it was like, oh, and I've been sleeping better. And because I've been sleeping better, that thing that I was trying to fix in my marriage no longer really needs fixing because actually it wasn't about me and them. It was about the fact that I was tired all the time. It it was something like that. I can't even remember the ins and outs of it, but it was like the knock-on effect of one tiny change that probably before seemed like a mountain and just went away. Mm. You know, like it just Mm. happened without any, there's no effort involved. I love this because it would be very easy for someone to say, okay, well, let's do the first part of the book that's all about the reason why you're not changing. And yeah. then we're going to do a quick pivot and we're going to say, here's how you change. And we're going to throw out the, the three-step process for here's how you change. Mm-hmm. This is almost like encouraging people to really just set back and say, okay, first part of the book really shows you how you came to be who you are now with the results that you have in your life now. And you may have desires and we're just going to like kind of pause, like let's Mm. just stay in observer mode and let's just 
like stay almost like I'm almost imagining like experiment, like curiosity. Let's just see. Um, yes. Without actually like doing anything yet. And I think it'll give us a good moment to say, to talk about the, um, the tipping point. Mm, yes. Is there, am I missing anything between like unintentional, just observant change and tipping point? Is there anything else I need to know? Cause I could imagine here, here's I'll, I'll, I'll paint the segue for you and you can tell me if I, if we're missing a bit. So we've got them to that aha moment of it's not my fault. And here's all the reasons why it's not my fault. And then we start to talk about, um, you know, slow down to speed up. We want to partner with the subconscious. If we try to go quickly, the subconscious is going to speed up. So mm. here's here's a moment where we can actually um, just be with it, mm. right? So we're going to just acknowledge all the things that we just learned about our life and who we are and our values and our emotions. Let me tell you some stories of people who, mm. when they were just they would they were willing to just be with it. Here's what just be with it means. And yeah. Maybe we'll do sidecar, maybe we won't. Yeah. <laughs> but when people are willing to just be with it, here's some amazing things that can happen. Yes. Um, and I can almost imagine just saying, in fact, I encourage you to just close the book for an hour. Mm. I mean, it's a little bit dangerous from kind of a like, <laughs> completion rate perspective. <laughs> Maybe it's not an hour. Maybe it's just encouraging just a few minutes pause and just to say, mm. just kind of close your eyes. And I can almost imagine like a hypnosis track here. Like I literally was just like, oh, this is where the resources come in. Yeah. QR code, listen to this. Yeah. yeah. Listen to this hypnosis. It's short, you know, rather mm. than going on to the next chapter, which you were probably going to do anyway, like just listen to this hypnosis and, and, and that, um, and I don't know if it's hypnosis or meditation or what the technical term would be, but just like yeah. something to really just relax the mind and just help, like encourage them in that state of just be with it. Yes. And really talking about no effort involved change can come of its own accord. Yes. And then the segue can be like, and the 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 magnificent part of kind of the human brain and partnering with the subconscious is that once once we reach the tipping point, I don't know exactly how the transition works. I'm wrestling with it a little bit. Not gonna lie. <laughs> mm. um, it's almost like you're gathering up the momentum toward the tipping point. Like yeah. when you see when you're willing to. When it's like when you're willing to observe the changes as they're happening and you're willing to say, oh my gosh, I didn't have coffee yesterday. Mm. I didn't have coffee this week. I see these changes. It, it's like you're, you're beginning to gather the evidence. This is the gathering of the evidence. Um, and the, the goal is to just, is to continue to be with it until we hit the tipping point. Am I, yes. am I on the right Absolutely. And I would add in there that this might, and this might help with the transition that I used to have the Facebook group evidence of magic, right? Now I use the hashtag evidence of magic. That's what that is, is gathering the evidence. And we just call it evidence of magic because it seems like magic because it's like, whoa, this just happened without me doing anything. Like, you know, I've tried everything to make this happen before. And this time it just happened of its own accord, seemingly. So that is evidence of magic. And that might be a good time to talk about the reticular activating system and what is really happening there, there 
because it's not magic, like it's actual science, <laughs> but it's okay for people to feel like it was easy and it was magical. And then to understand, okay, what's, ha- what's actually happening here? And why is this, why does this seem so easy? Talk about the reticular activating system. And then that goes to the tipping point that makes perfect flow. So we're like tuning the reticular activating system. Yes. Because the reticular activating system is always looking to lock on to something. And so what we're doing is just like, yeah, dialing it in to something that is actually supportive and helpful. And tipping point, which you have all sorts of content around that. And yeah, I feel like I do. You can just fill that right in. Okay. I wonder if, so does it make sense to move from, okay, when you just relax into observer and you're able to, um, you, you've already done, right. And you always talk about this in the, in the shift method. The uh, I guess it is shift method uh, shift method week one homework is what I'm thinking of not get unstuck week one so I was yeah. mixing those two things but so shift method week one you always say like that's the hardest work mm-hmm. <laughs> is and so the first part of the book is that week one it's it's all those realizations that get to the point where you get to it's not it's not your fault and then the next phase is kind of sitting back being this observer observing the magic realizing mm-hmm. that we're just attuning our reticular activating system. Um, and, and the really we're letting it get closer and closer to the tipping point. We're just watching it get closer and closer yeah. to the tipping point. It does feel like at some point we move into um, the visioning, right? The, mm. the conscious, you know, our sub maybe, and maybe this is, this is totally my paraphrasing. So redirect as needed, but like, it's almost like, our subconscious has let down its guard. We are observing the changes and now our subconscious is coming to trust us a little bit more and it lets us offer some guidance. Is that, how would you nuance that? Yes, because what's going to come after this is definitely talking about intuition Mm. and how we use this intentionally right so I feel like until now people are just like learning and understanding for the first time of like oh okay oh okay oh okay and then starting to see it happen learning a little bit about the reticular activating system understanding the tipping points so how you actually reprogram the the subconscious is what we've basically covered and then it's like okay great now you know how to do that how do we use it and so that is where it's about like vision like tapping into the future future casting as I call it and then, yeah, accessing your intuition. I've got the name of all my programs here. <laughs> so I know we're getting pretty deep into your content. Yeah. Does this does this feel like does this feel like you want to include it in the book? I feel like I'm not going to know that necessarily until I know what that first bit we've just done like how it feels when that all comes together because this. Either yes or either that's the second book. Are we right? What's happening? <laughs> At the beginning, I'm like, am I really writing a book? Now I'm like, oh, and that's the second book. Like, <laughs> I would suggest writing it as one long journey that you're on with the reader. Yeah. And whether that yeah. journey is broken up into multiple books or not, like is a bit mm. relevant at this at this point. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. But it does feel like, you know, so if part if the first part is that that conscious understanding of what's happening. And the mm-hmm. second part is uh, you know, encouraging us to lean back, be observers, 
tune our reticular activating system. It does feel like this third part is conscious creation. Yeah. Now that you yeah. and the subconscious are on board together. Yes. Which is so fun. And that's the empowering piece, like of above all else, you know, like it's one thing to understand something or read a book about something. It's another to put it to work. Mm-hmm. So yes. Okay. My notes are still a little bit messy, so I'm not going to be able to send them to you right away. I'm going to need a little bit of time to go back through and organize. Um, but how do you feel about, so, so just to kind of repeat what, what I just said and, and, and feel in your body, like, can I see this, this journey and, 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 and can I, do, do I, do I feel like this is the journey that people are going on with me? So part mm. one, conscious understanding of kind of how you came to be where you are in your life right now. And it's not your fault. Yeah. Part two how to lean back, slow down to speed up, observe, gather the evidence of magic, tune your reticulated activating system. The tendency might be to want to sort of speed through that. And I would Mm. say if we can draw that out with stories and all the magic that you've seen that happens just by accident, that I feel like could really open up someone's mind to be like, I don't, maybe I don't have to try to rush to the end of the book to, to where she gets me to the conscious part. Like, yeah, this is actually really magical. I really want to try this relaxing, this curiosity, this experiment kind of, and I, I would want to, to juice that as much as we could. And then that yeah. third part is, okay, you and your subconscious are on board together now. Yes. Here's the conscious creation part of the book. How, like, is there anything that's, 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 missing or do you feel that that possibility yeah I feel emotional like hearing you like mirror that back it's like oh my gosh like I feel like I feel like I get it now like I get it like I know why it's taken till now for me to be able to do this and yeah so something important to note is we are completely beginning to separate it from the content that you have created. Yes. You have needed the smaller buckets to create the content. You've needed get unstuck ship mm. method certification um, or facilitation um, access your intuition. You've needed those buckets, evidence of magic. You've needed the buckets to just begin to gather those pieces of content. Yeah. And we're saying thank you to all those buckets and courses. And this is sort of transcendent. It sort of sits above those. It is yeah. none, none of those courses will fit in this book. And this book doesn't fit in any of those courses. Does that make yeah. sense? It's its yeah. own thing. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, strings. It is. I've got no strings to hold me down. <laughs> <laughs> so you can pull bits and pieces from different courses and things like that, but it does not need to be limited to or limited by any of the existing yeah. courses. Are you okay with that? It's so, it's like, <laughs> it's the totally Laura book. That's what it feels like. <laughs> it's like, it's all of it. <laughs> and you won't be able to fit all of it in, right? Yeah. So there's, we haven't even like touched. <laughs> like I think about the facilitation content, which I haven't even gotten all the way through. And there's just like yeah. hours, 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 right? So we're not, we're definitely not doing that. We're not getting all of it into one Yeah. Book. But, but we are, we're pulling out the most relevant pieces for 
this reader in this moment so that she can see how she can move from it's not your fault to tuning her reticular activating system and letting the magic in and yes. then becoming the magic right so yes okay so i'm gonna type up i'm gonna i'm gonna judge the notes around a little bit and correct all my misspelling or i won't even promise that i'm notorious <laughs> for misspellings <laughs> I'm not worried about that. I'll try to I'll try to fix things up a little bit for you inside of this Google Doc and send it over to you. What I would love to do, I don't think we have our next call on the calendar just yet, but we'll do that um, soon. Yep. In between, I would love for you to um, to go back through these notes. Just read, right? Just read the notes and and then um, give yourself a little bit of space just to say, just to start to vi- envision, right? So do some yeah. visioning about like um, you know does this feel really true and resonant with, with the book that, that I want to write next? And, mm-hmm. um, and so after you've had that little bit of space, just to, just to feel aligned with it is kind of what I'm kind of going for. Um, yeah. I, I, my intention is not to say, here's the book you're writing, Laura. Go yes. It. It's more like, are we, are, are we pulling out the book in the way that it wants to be pulled out? Like, are we, are we staying true to, to the, the book that, as it wants to come out in yeah. a weird way of saying it, but <laughs> it's <laughs> not, it makes sense. just to, just to double check, just to align, just to say, yes, this is, this feels good. Yeah. And we start to go back in and just type directly into the Google doc, like okay. start, start filling in stories, I want to, you know, if you think about like, oh, I want to make sure I tell the story about this, you know, typing in a note. Oh, I want to make sure that I, when I'm explaining tipping point, I want to make sure to talk about this. Oh, I forgot the 96%. I want to put the 96% in here. So you're just going to start like filling in the notes. They're still notes. You're not writing the book. (laughs) Um, If you feel inspired to start like really drafting, like, like, writing out full stories, writing out full explanations, pop open another Google doc. Okay. So I would like to keep this as like, we're, we're, we've got our notes. It's very rough. Some are sentences, some are paragraphs, but it's still high level. If mm. we get to the point that we're like, it was, a, it was a warm Sunday afternoon on the <laughs> beach. And then, <laughs> you know, if we to that kind of storytelling, different Google doc that's going, that's going deep. Does that kind of make sense? Totally makes sense. Yes. So come back in, read through the notes as I've taken them, double check. Is this in alignment with what I want? If it's not, change things. (laughs) And yes, come back. I would say, I would suggest just top to bottom and start filling in. I want to make sure I include this. Here's a note about a story about this. Oh yes, about this. And if you start to get nudges about, like I've left the third part as, Vision, future casting, accessing your intuition. <laughs> like that, that's what the third part. If you want to start adding notes in there, feel free. Okay. And we'll come back okay. and we'll revisit and we'll kind of start to recap what we think the book is kind of emerging as and start to fill in some of those holes together. Now, how does this feel? Oh, like it's really happening. It's inevitable. At this, like, yeah, at that's- this moment, your book is officially inevitable. It's happening. Oh my God. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) You just kicked off enough momentum. Like, I mean, we both, we both see it. Yes. I I really, really see it. And I 100% would still, even knowing the book was here, if we hadn't done this, I would still be going, ah, 
like I would still be doing that. So I feel like, oh my gosh, like I like I feel like I want to clear my schedule and you know what I'm like. Next that is the next point. I know we're coming up to the to the end of our 90 minutes. Um I'm okay if we if you have a couple more minutes. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to tell me next week pull up your calendar. Next week <laughs> can you can you can you identify 5 hours that yeah, would happen. Oh, yeah. But you have to tell me what they are and I'm going to write them down. Yeah. Okay. I can. Okay. <laughs> Which is really interesting because this morning, literally this morning, I had standing events Monday to Friday, one hour every morning that was in there as Laura learning. And that was every single day, Monday to Friday. So um, it was actually more than an hour. I think it was two hours for me doing courses and learning and everything else. This morning, I deleted them all. So I've literally just created (laughs) 10 hours of space. Okay. Tell me when they are. So they are. Well, they were between 8 and 10 a.m. every morning. I think it's going to be earlier than that. So, oh, especially because it's nice weather and it's summer. So it's going to be uh, 6, 30, 7, 30, 8. It's going to be 8 till 9 a.m. every day next week, UK time. 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Monday to Friday. Yeah. You don't have to write the book in that time. Yes. All you're doing is reviewing the notes and adding in new ideas, new stories, new insights. Oh, I want to explain that. Oh, where should this go? If if you think of something that you're like, I think this should go in the book, but I'm not sure where, stick it at the end of, okay. of this document that I'm sending you and we'll find a place for it okay. later. So no pressure to write anything in particular. You're just filling in notes. If you okay. do have a flash of inspiration of, I really feel like writing this part out or telling this story, new Google Doc, pop it open. Um, okay. Write whatever you want. Oh my gosh. This is so exciting. I feel like I have permission to really write what I want to write. Mm-hmm. And I'm really ready. So it's really exciting. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So we'll hop off. I'm going to make the notes nice and pretty, and then I'll ping you as soon as I write for you. Thank you so much. I am going to just everybody who's here and everybody who's watching, I'm just going to throw a little banner before we close it down. If you are this call we did here, did everywhere, what we're doing after this, I'm pointing that up here. If you want to come on the journey with me, if you want to be in behind the scenes, if you want to be on the next call that we do like this, if you want to be on all the updates, which is happening behind the scenes from this point on, go to toastylaura.com forward slash book because there is a journey. We didn't know what it was. Now we're getting more bones to it. There's still more to uncover and I would love to have you there for it. So amazing. Thank you, Morgan. I'm so excited. Thank you to everyone who's listened or who will listen to this in future because who knows what we'll do with it. And um, I will, I'm in, I'm totally in. So (laughs) yay. Thank you so much. Bye. I so appreciate spending time with your ears today. (laughs) If you're not already, come and follow me on Instagram. Let's be friends. You can find me at Totally Laura, where I share behind the scenes, latest updates and freebies, as well as giving you the opportunity to tell me what you want to hear more of here on the podcast. I'll be waiting for you in the DMs.